Welcome to Stumbling Through Work, where educators figure shit out. I'm your host, Jared Huff, and I'm here to explore and share the complexities of our work and to let you know you are not alone. Before we start, though, please follow this podcast and share episodes with others. You can find me on my website, www.jarekhuff.com, where you can find links to my social media and where I share information and tips for educators. Now, let's jump into today's episode. Hey team, so over the past several weeks, I have been reviewing applications and resumes. I'm trying to find a good fit for several positions that I have open. So I figured I would share my experience and what I'm going through with you all. The first thing I think when it comes to this is the most important is actually reading an application or a resume. And I don't think a lot of people do. And that's why I figured that I would share this with you all, because there is a lot of information that you can have on a resume or an application. Um, Of course, it gives you the overall you get name, their experience, the education, their references. But there is so much information that's not on there. You have to sometimes read what's not being said or read what's not there. When I look at an. When I look at a resume, the first thing I always ask is, did they complete the application or the resume? Um, Hopefully the resume is done, but sometimes when they do an application, they may not complete the entire thing, which is always very, very concerning for me. If you can't complete an application, how can I trust that you are going to complete your work? If you finish the application, this sounds like a basic problem, but did they spell everything correctly? (laughs) I have seen so many resumes and applications where people cannot spell. And I know that I can be difficult where I've been like next, because at this point we have Microsoft Word, you have Grammarly, you have Siri, you have whoever the Android people use. Uh, Victor, I don't know who these people called, um, whoever it is, uh, Cortana, all these people, you have people that can help you spell Google, whomever. There is no reason why you should have misspelled words. Just period that there's no reason. And if you can't spell with me, what are you going to give our parents? What are you going to give our families? (laughs) What are you going to give these children? You can't spell, but then you're trying to help raise a new generation of educators we teach to read and read to teach but if they do let's say you receive you have someone fill out an application right do they have a resume to go with it little old school that's me i like to always have a resume and i've been told many a times that i'm old school but it is it is who i am but does the application match the resume because people lie So do they match one another? Because if they don't, somewhere somebody's lying. So see if you can catch that. And then I just look at their past jobs. I just kind of glance at them. And the first thing that I look at is the length of time. Are they job hoppers? Are they going from one job to the next job to the next job to the job after that to the following job? Like two months you know, every two months they're at a new place or in 2023, they're probably every two weeks at another job. 
that is a red flag for me because what makes me super important that you're not going to do that to me when I take the time, the energy into training you, trying to get you ready. And then you're like, Psh, I'm out. That is a big red flag if you're a job hopper to me. And then kind of look at their references. Who are their references? Are they friends, supervisors, co-workers, family members? I swear everybody put their mama down. If they don't have any supervisors or co-workers, that's another red flag. What have you done in your tenure that does not allow you to put somebody that has worked with you or has worked for you or worked under you or worked under you or for you or you have been their supervisor? Why don't you have any of that down? Another red flag and something that you really need to question. I look at the address as well. Um, I may not know the address of the street, nor am I probably going to take the time and energy to actually Google where they live. But I do look at their zip code. Is their zip code relatively close to where we are at? Because the further people live away, the more they don't want to bring their ass to work. It's really easy for someone to say, mm, I woke up this morning and I'm tired. I don't feel well. And that job is too far away. So I am not coming in. So I'm going to go ahead and send this text message. By the way, I don't enjoy text message. You need to call me if you calling out because um, I want to hear your voice tremble when you tell me this lie on why you calling in. But um I like people that live relatively close because it shows that they have a little more investment, meaning it's a job that's closer for them. So they're more likely to stay. I'm not judging people that live far away or live, you know, in a further proximity, but I kind of question it just a little bit and I ask more questions. Look at their ending salary from their last job. Does their ending salary come close to what they're asking for their desired salary. If it doesn't, I'm kind of curious why and are they up for a cash uh, like a cash grab? You know, everyone in 2023 is trying to get them coins, so I wonder like if someone says, "Oh, I was making this and now I'm asking for an extra 15,000." Whoa, hold the hell up. That's a lot of money different than what you left. Um, though I, I do enjoy people saying that this is what I'm worth and um, and I, I, I get that to an extent, but um, it, I, I just feel like everyone's up for a cash grab to see what they can get. And two, you never know until you ask, but just compare and contrast to their desired salary to their last ending salary. And then look at their email address. What is their email address? What does it say? Is it professional? Does it say, you know, I'm that chick 92 at yahoo.com? Or does it say first name, last name at aol.com? Though I'm not judging, but I am judging because if you're using, still using AOL, that says that it says a lot. It says one, you're probably. Um, not as tech savvy or you just hold on to stuff for a long time, which makes me wonder um, how good are you going to be at computer skills. But going back to the first example, if you are comfortable enough to tell me that you that chick 924713 at Hotmail.com, 
if you are comfortable enough to put that down as an email address, I am comfortable enough to not hire you. At this point, you should have a professional email address, and that says a lot about you. Um, even when I look at their education, um, you can always kind of get a estimate of their age by their high school graduation because younger people love to put when they graduated high school, I graduated high school and so on and so on. I'm like, oh baby, you were just proud of that too. And I, I love that you're proud of that and you let me know your age. Although, I'm specifically saying you cannot hire people based off of their age nor can you ask their age. Let me be specific about that. You cannot do that. Although you can put pieces together and it's just kind of nice to know, although you can't base your hiring off of someone's age, just remember that only off of experience. But um, even the college thing can be kind of interesting because I ask questions like when I see that someone went to college and they didn't finish and they'll say some college and they did like a year or two. I ask questions. So what stops you from finishing? What stopped you from completing? Because I want to know. And the reason why is, am I nosy? Partially. But some of it is, if there were hindrance that stopped you from completing school, those same hindrance tend to be the same thing that's going to show up in your job performance. So give me a heads up now. Is it that you're taking care of somebody sick? Because my thing is, if you're working for me, you're probably going to have to be taken off to take care of somebody sick. Or did you have a baby is this fresh? Do you have a newborn and you're like, oh, I did this year ago. That means that newborn is now at toddler-ish age, which means you're going to be taken off all the time. Or did this happen 10 years ago where I'm like, oh, that baby about grown and about the house with a mortgage. It all depends. Um, so I always do ask, like, what stopped you from continuing school? Super important. And also the date availability. Why that date? And I mean, is it two weeks in advance because if someone says oh i can start next let's say it's thursday and they're like oh i can start next week i'm like oh, okay great it is not great i am lying i am not hiring your ass because you are not giving them ample enough notice and even though that does not affect me and probably is actually easier on me it's a respect thing you would do the same thing to me and let me tell you, if you give me a notice and then you don't continue, I am done with you. I've had a manager do that to me once where she was like, oh, I'm going to give you two weeks. And then and that two weeks, oh, I'm just not going to finish. No, you, no, 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 no. We don't do that. No, hold up. I will let you know if I want you to end early. But I was depending on you to finish out your tenure while I'm hiring someone else. And I have now lost all respect for you. And once I lose respect, it is what it is. I've lost it and you're never going to get it back. So, um, but that two weeks thing is a real deal breaker for me. If you say I can start within two weeks, I am down for that. I am all about giving you, um, let me change that. Sorry. I am all about you giving them the courtesy to find their replacement and while I prepare for you and make sure that I have everything for you, I just think that's common decency. The may I contact your previous or your current supervisor is a really interesting one because I get it both ways. Some people say yes, some people say no. And I get it if you say no because you probably don't want them to know that you're looking for a job. And I ain't mad at you because I would do the same thing. Um, of course, it, it gets a little weird and I ask like, so I see that I can't contact your supervisor. Why? 
I mean, yeah, why not? Um, and usually the, a lot of people say, well, they don't know that I'm looking for a job. And it's like, I get it. I ain't mad at you for that one. But I don't want you to say something like, oh, um, I'm about to get fired anyway for being late so many times. So I hear her come to you I'm like, oh, hell no, because you can be late with me. But I do ask that question. And applications can, applications just say or resumes say so much. So I actually have a resume in front of me that I just printed out for a position at one of my schools. So this person is looking to be a director. So I see their name. I'm going to go through it with you all. Um, I see their name, their email address. It's respectable. Okay. Phone number, address. It's mm, not really close. And if you can't tell by the zip code, sometimes you can tell by where they worked, where they, what area they're in. So I'm looking at her work experience. She was a lead teacher from 2022 to now. Then she was an RBT from 2020 to now. So I'm assuming she's working two jobs. So now I'm wondering, are you still going to try to work two jobs when you're with me? Or, which I'm not hating on people for working multiple jobs. I just want to make sure you do your job at mine. Then she was an RBT for six months at another company before that. And then before that... She was an RBT somewhere else for about eight months. You're getting a little questionable as I go back in your history. Oh, but nope, she was an office manager for somewhere for three years. Oh, she was a director because I was wondering where the experience was. Um, she was a director for four years in a different state. Going back before that one, she was an assistant director for a year at a place that I do not consider to be reputable. Um, she worked back in behavior health as a BST for two years. She was a teacher before that for eight years. Wow, one, she's making me feel super old because I didn't made it back to the 90s right now. Um, and she was a director for... Say, okay, she has a little bit of experience on her. Got a little bit of time. See, education. She's at the high school. But see, she didn't say the year that she graduated, so I'll let you know she's a little older. But then it says some college. So now I'm kind of curious why and when did this happen? Because obviously you've given me, she didn't give me work experience back to 1993. So that lets me know she's been out here in these streets hustling for a minute. So some of that college, I wonder, is it a newer thing or was it something that happened years ago? I'm looking at all her skills, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so kind of going through my little checklist seems to be kind of viable. So I may give her a call just to check in with her, even though my first things that I'm worried about is you work in two jobs and you had a little moment in the past where you job hop for a quick second, but doesn't seem to be bad, seems to be some... Um, solidarity amongst your job and I'm kind of curious how you became a director and then you went to like RBT and you went back to being a teacher and I guess now you're going to be a director again I'm kind of kind of strange just a little bit to be moving up and down of the lateral post like that but um so yeah I, I will actually give her a call so this is how I actually look at 
applications and resumes. So with that being said, we'll be right back. I love sharing information with educators and program administrators. I have had so many successes, but also so many failures in my education tenure. I want leaders to know what not to do, but better than that, what to do. So I decided to write a helpful guide, best practices for center program and activity directors. It's short and to the point. It's a compass to guide education leaders. These best practices will give you a foundation to lead your school, program, or organization. You can find best practices for center, program, and activity directors by Jared Cuff on Amazon or Amazon Kindle. Welcome back. If you've never been a center director, you don't understand the amount of hats and how interchangeable those hats have to be throughout the day. I, I've categorized five different hats that directors have to wear every single day, sometimes at all at the same time. And so the first one I always say is like your academic curricula hat. And this is for directors to know what's going on in their classrooms. This means you have to be aware of what is actually happening in your classroom. That means you need to know what should be happening and then what actually is happening because those are two different things and you can't be in the classroom all the time because you have four other hats that you have to deal with which can be challenging and hard and this is when you're going to have to start looking at assessments and those assessments at that age are things kind of like what's going out of the classroom do you see projects and things going home with papers are they being posted on the walls what are your what is your evidence of learning those are the things that you have to look for even with assessments you have to look at the assessments that you're going to give your children as well if it's something like brigands or some other form to see where your children are growing there's a lot and it's just it's enough to just try to focus on that but you just can't it's still you have to worry about also the enrollment and the retention of your school as well because you need children to stay in business. Education is a business. And as you're looking at enrolling and trying to, you know, retain children, you have to ask yourself, who are you serving? What children are you serving and their families? Why are your families there? And then the ones that are leaving, why are they leaving? You need to be aware of that as well. Are they leaving because your costs are too much? Are they leaving because the turnover rate is too high? Are they leaving because they're relocating? Are you like in a military town? There are so many different facets to why someone can leave and to why also someone can stay. And you have to kind of know that. And then also know when is your school actually full and if a school is full, then that means the classrooms are full as well. So when did each classroom become full? When is the where is the waiting list for that classroom and for your school? It's a lot to go on with the enrollment and retention. And then you have kind of the HR licensing piece, which which I think no one likes at all. And this is kind of the re the human resource responsibilities the company regulations, the state requirements, just like your health codes and your licensing and 
um, depending on who you partner with, maybe to the Department of Education. There, these are the things that no one wants to do because they are they foster lots of uncomfortable conversations, but it is another hat. Then you kind of have the staff hat, which is kind of like your coaching and mentoring hat. And this is where you're kind of developing teachers into become great educators. And along with your management and staff, your management and teachers support and everything else like that, people that aren't in the classroom, you still have to manage them. You still have to help them grow. Um, your assistant directors, whoever it may be, you have to help grow them into a leader as well. So you have that staff component as well. Then you kind of have the building operation side. And this one is kind of like your mundane task. The things that you just have to do, these are like your glue that holds everything together. And so these are like your checklist, all those tasks that have to be done, like credit cards, um, receipts, doing order forms, truck orders, things like that. Organizing the curriculum cabinet, the front desk area, organizing your office, um, the things that no one really wants to do. You know, staying to a ready marketing uh, procedures. What what does that look like? And even partnershiping, partnershiping, partnership with other organizations, whether they're like um, a food program that you may be working with or a third party billing situation, um, community resources. They all kind of fall into there. So you have the academic curriculum hat. You have the enrollment slash retention hat the hr licensing hat the staffing hat and the building operations hat there are a lot of hats that you wear and sometimes you have to wear them all simultaneously and interchangeably at the same time it is a lot i can say from my experience i feel that i worked harder when i moved into early childhood than i did as an administrator in um, at, when I was in my high school, I feel like my days are longer, way longer, or they used to be longer. Like when I was a director, there was way more responsibility, especially that enrollment and um, retention piece. That was a big thing that you really don't have to focus on so much in in K through 12 as much because your kids kind of come based off the area unless you're at a private school then it's a little different or if you're at a um, charter so it's a little different there other than being at a public but way harder as a director is so many it's so many moving pieces that you don't have anywhere else and if you are able to be a director and you're doing it successfully you know hats off to <laughs> hats off to you um, to you but because it is a lot of a lot of things going on and it is hard and I just want all directors to know that you're not in it alone and there are days where it's challenging and it's rough and you're trying to figure out how to wear all these hats at one time and be successful it's difficult but it is doable and it is possible you just have to know how to change those hats sometimes so this week, I want you to really look at a few applications or resumes and really break them down to see what they're saying to you and what they're not saying to you. 
um, that will actually make your interview process a lot easier because you'll be cutting out unnecessariness a little bit and help you focus on the actual candidates that are there for the right reason and continue wearing all of those hats change them as you need to and then you may have to wear all five at one time you're not in this alone i totally get it and until next week that's it for today if you like this episode it would mean so much to me if you left a rating review and subscribe to the show I'd love to hear from you. You can visit my website, which is in the show notes, to contact me. And I hope you have a great rest of your week and speak to you all soon.